Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, tonight we're going to continue to look at the gift of prophecy. How many learned something last week about the gift of prophecy? Now, there's a lot of teaching on prophecy, and so, um, you know, I don't know everything on it. Uh, I don't know that anybody knows everything on it, but I want to keep going back to the Word and looking at it. And we're talking about the simple gift of prophecy versus the office of the prophet, um, which some people confuse the two. They think, oh, I prophesied once. I must be a prophet or a prophetess. Probably not, okay? Uh, the majority of people are... Uh, in the body of Christ are not called to what we might call a, a five-fold ministry gift, which is the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. The majority of the church is not called to that. Actually, the majority, well, all of the church is actually called to the office of helps. Did you know that? The entire church is called to that. So um, at some point or another, whether you're uh, considered like the main leader or, or not the main leader, whatever the case may be, you'll be in the, in the place of helping somebody at some point um, because that's just a common, uh, uh, that's just part of being a disciple for the Lord in, outside of offices themselves. But we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit and we're talking about the, the gift of prophecy. And I just want to go over a couple of things here before uh, we get into what I have for tonight. And uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us. How many think the Lord could speak to us? Amen. I'm expecting it. So um, I read this last week out of Foundations of Pentecostal Theology. The believers were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. It just gives a good context for what we're looking at. They were so thoroughly enabled by the Spirit's power that everywhere they went, their ministry is marked by the supernatural. The apostles were not guardians of orthodoxy. They were ambassadors of Christ equipped with divine capabilities. They had a divine work to do, and they had divine power with which to do it. Thus, it, it must always be. The church's mission is much more than propagating a new philosophy or calling to a new morality. It is delivering men and women from the bondage of Satan. It is binding and loosing in the name of Jesus. Now, this is the church's call. This is not the preacher's call. It is the preacher's call because the preacher's a part of the church. But it's the church's call. How many here are born again? Your call then. So in order to have supernatural deliverance, you've got to have supernatural power. When you have supernatural power, specifically you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then the gifts of the Spirit can begin to operate. And this is where we all need to desire these gifts. And so giving them definition helps you see where it is and then helps you know when the Holy Spirit is prompting you in that direction. Does that make sense? So philosophizing and moralizing can be done with mere human capabilities, and there's a lot of it in the church. And such is not unimportant. But delivering from bondage and bringing to repentance and faith require an anointing of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, if you're going to jump out into that, I was talking to Tony before the service, and we were talking about demonology and angelology, and you know these are the study of these things. And uh, uh, we were talking about demons. How many know the seven sons of Sceva should have got born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost before they went to casting out devils? Because if you go to tangle with the supernatural without understanding who you are and being on the right side of the spiritual, in other words, you have a covenant with God, you may find yourself stripped naked and beat up. 
You have seven sons of Sceva that lost to one man in a fight. That's supernatural. <laughs> okay, if one guy is beating up seven guys, he's on something. And I'm not talking about like just, you know, a drug. It's supernatural. In fact, the demon looked through the man at the seven sons of Sceva and he said, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? And that is the question. If you don't know who you are, then the devil is going to whoop you. Amen? So we got to watch out for this. We need supernatural power because anybody can be moral in that sense. The world can be moral. How many realize that? They can be disciplined in things, but you need supernatural power. There needs to be uh, something that takes place as far as change goes. Certainly, God accepts and honors all human talent dedicated to his service, but he enhances that dedicated talent with the Spirit's glow, lifting it to a new level. God can often, can and often does take natural capacities and transform them into spiritual operations. We talked about the three different categories of the gifts, and right now we're actually in the utterance gifts, which is prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues, and we're in prophecy. Prophecy at its simplest, and you can go back and listen to this, uh, because we don't have time to stop and comment on all of them. But basically, to give it a definition, it is a miracle of divine utterance. It's supernatural utterance in a known tongue. So we would say it this way. It's supernatural utterance in English for us, okay? Now, you may be, I know some of you are bilingual in here, but your primary language, it would be a supernatural utterance in that um, language. It doesn't come from the mental it comes from the spirit and, and into the natural. So it comes from within, not, not up here, in here, in your heart. And uh, prophecy, as far as the Old Testament, is the, the definition in the Hebrew is to speak forth. It means to speak for God or be his spokesman. Um, it has to do with the idea of springing forth or bubbling up like a fountain. Remember the Lord said this, he said that the, the well of living water within you, the, wa the water that would be within you would be what? A bubbling up spring, correct? Talking about salvation and then also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We saw previously that we're desire and to do greatly desire to prophesy. Um, our motivation in this comes to edify, from et the, the desire to edify the church. Um, we saw that prophecy... Uh, while knowledge about, the fu about future happenings is exciting and also can be strategic, if it does not celebrate the finished work of Christ as its point of reference, it becomes a distraction. So prophecy in and of itself is given for edification, exhortation, and comfort or reiterating who you are in Christ to encourage you to fight according to... Um, uh, your, the, the, the fight of faith according to who you are in Christ. The most profound, we saw this, the most profound future information as far as prophecy is concerned or what some people consider prophecy, the most profound future information pales in significance in the light of what already happened to mankind in Christ. It just does. Have you ever noticed, uh, you know, people will, will get hooked on prognosticators? You know, they get hooked on different ones. Some of them have become famous. I mean, they're long dead, but they, they've become famous. And people glue to these things because they want to know what's out there. If you want to know what's out there for you, you need to know the Holy Spirit. 
not chase somebody. And we'll get into this because in, in the church world today, there's actually what's called familiar spirits and fortune telling going on. It's just basically fortune telling. It's not even real prophecy. And uh, people don't know the difference. And we want to help you with that without losing the significance of what the prophetic really is. Okay? In the New Testament, the simple gift of prophecy, not the office of the prophet, we saw this as well, has its reference in the finished work of the cross more so than in predicting of future events. The purpose of prophecy, just like with every other gift of the Spirit, is to encourage and edify the church with the success of the cross as its reference. It is to edify. Edification means the act of building up for the promotion of spiritual growth. In ministering through prophecy to the church, we take the building materials of resurrection graces or the promises of the word of God along with supernatural understanding of situations and we release our supply of the spirit to the body of Christ. Now, some of you might be a little uh, wondering where we're going, but just hang with me. I got you. We'll get there, okay? I can hear it. I can hear it on the inside of me. All right? You say, how do you do that? Don't ask me. It just happens. Okay. So exhortation is another thing that is, that is uh, obviously from prophecy. Exhortation means to call near. It has to do with a powerful oratory discourse, a stirring address. It is an, an, an appeal or an encouragement. Prophecy then will call people through powerful, stirring, supernatural utterance to the truths of what Christ has done and in doing this and is doing in our lives. Prophecy stirs up your transformed mind, which strengthens your faith. And it's also given for comfort. The word comfort has to do with any address that is made for the purpose of persuading or arousing and stimulating or of calming and consoling. Here again, we see the value of prophecy in the church when it comes from the resurrection, uh, from the resources of the resurrected Christ. It helps the believers stay persuaded about who they are in Christ. It helps them to deal with future events from the understanding of grace. Now, prophetic utterances will speak to the future, but. If their reference isn't in who you are in Christ, if they don't find the root of, 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 uh, or the, the, the launching point of who you are in Christ, then the prophetic word almost does you no good. In other words, what are you going to fight with when you see what's been declared back here when you get to it out here? If you don't have the word in you, if you, don't, if, you, if you don't understand who you are in Christ, if the prophetic word that was given didn't stir up who you are in the spirit and who the Lord says you are, then what good is it going to do you other than you're going to know what's coming and then when you get there, what are you going to do? And people say, well, the prophecy is given to wage war. Yes, but you don't feed on prophecies. You feed on the word. You war with prophecies. We'll get there, Okay. And so we looked at that. We also looked at, um, uh, well, I want to do this. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and look at a couple more verses. We saw that in prophecy, uh, it can, there can actually be learning and teaching that goes on because obviously it's in a known tongue. So there could actually be a prophetic word. There's like You think, man, I just learned a whole lot in that prophetic word. You can learn in it, which is good. 
But I want to look at the first thing I want to look at tonight is that we just need to be careful that we don't misuse prophecy. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this, do not quench the spirit. That's where I got my title for the message. Verse 20 says, do not what? Despise prophecies. Watch now. Test half the things you hear. Test all things. Watch this. Hold fast what is good. Now, why, why say that? We, you know, sometimes we read the scripture and we just read it. We don't think, you know. But the Lord, the Lord didn't say, the Lord didn't say that He just wanted you to be mindless. <laughs> you know, He wants you to think. So, what did He say here? Do not quench the spirit. Okay, quenching the spirit means you're shutting down the gifts of the spirit. Why would the Thessalonians be tempted to shut down the spirit, quench it? He goes right into verse 20. He says, do not what? Despise prophecies, which means what? There were people misusing the spiritual gifts. And it was becoming annoying to the Thessalonians. And so they were being tempted to do what? We don't want that in our church. Because these people have gotten off. Paul didn't say shut down the gifts because people get off. He said don't quench the spirit. Don't get into despising, in this case, the gift of prophecy. Instead, do what? Test the prophetic word. Test it. Yeah, test it. You say, how do you do that? We'll talk about it. I'll give you seven ways to test it tonight. You'll test the prophetic word. And then what? What's good in it, you mean I can take part of what was said and hold it and the other part throw away? Yep. You, yeah, you better. You hold fast to what you know is true. And how do you know it's true? You test it against this. Amen? Now, if it's something personal to you, like specific to you about your life, then you test it against what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Amen? Because under the New Testament, you realize this, and I'm going to make this statement, you're not led by prophets. You're led by the Spirit of God in you. Well, no, I, I follow these prophets, and I follow them every day, and I do what they say. You should be led by the Spirit of God. I'm not saying prophets are wrong. They're not. That's not what I'm saying. The office of the prophet is real. But you better test what they say against the word and against what you're getting in your own heart. Amen? Okay. So he says, don't despise prophecies. And then he says, test everything and then hold fast to what is good. So in any prophetic address that's given, any prophetic word that's given, you have to walk away from it and go, okay, Lord, what is in this for me? What is not in this for me? Show me, Lord, what I'm supposed to know here and uh, which part I'm supposed to follow. So you need to test it and you need not, don't despise it, test it and hold fast. There are times where I've almost despised prophecies. And really what it was is I wasn't despising prophecies. It was like, it was more like, okay, guys, maybe we ought to give it a break for a little bit. And I'm not talking about here. I'm saying just in general, as I've been around the church, I've been in the church now for since, you know, oh, I was raised in church. I was raised at Faith Chapel. But 
but from the time I really got saved and, and gave my whole life to the Lord and started following him, um, it's been about 23 years. And there were seasons where I'm like, okay, I don't need another prophetic word from somebody. I don't. I, I, I'm barely doing the first two. Don't give me another one. You know what I mean? Because you have to grow in these things and it takes time. People say, well, I don't have that much time. You got as much as you got, and you're not going to be able to force God to move quicker anyway. How many have ever tried to move God quicker and it didn't work? You know, that's, this is something I, he's like, Sean, slow down. You know, the word of the Lord, slow down. Okay, we'll slow down. So, don't miss, we need to be careful not to misuse prophecy. 1 Timothy 1.18. Here's another good scripture on prophecy. And this goes back to what we discussed a little bit earlier, but then we're going to go eight to verse 18 through 20. <clears throat> this is Timothy. This is a known scripture on prophecy. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. All right? What do we see here? We must walk the prophetic out in our lives. It's not automatic. So here we see what? That Timothy, uh, the, that Paul told Timothy by the Spirit of God, he said, wage, uh, uh, he said, this charge I give you or commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. Prophecies are not wrong necessarily, but this is another avenue of it. When you receive a prophetic word, you're not just leery. You're not just, you know, testing is not suspicion. You, you do realize that. It's just, you, you, you go, okay, thank you for that, and you, and you take it, and then you put it in your, in your bin of information, and you begin to pray over it. And you begin to look at it and say, okay, God, is this for me, as he brings it up to you? Well, in this case, Timothy had some prophecies over his life. Paul knew they were right. Timothy knew they were right. And so he said, make sure you walk this out. And it says, in the last part of, in the, last part of the verse 18, it says this, that by them you may wage a good warfare. So no one can walk out your prophetic word for you. That's what Paul's saying. Well, you're the, you're the apostle, Paul. You know, you're the apostle. Timothy, you go, come on, pray it through for me. And Paul's saying, no, 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 this is your charge. You ever watch somebody who, who they know they have a charge? I've seen this so many times. They have a charge on their life, but they're going to blame everybody else why it's not coming to pass. You can't do that. When people say, well, I've been mistreated or it's been unfair or this or that. Listen to me. I get it. I understand it. We all have had that happen at one point or another in our lives. But if you're a person of faith, eventually you have to settle down inside of you and go, uh, this is between me and you, Lord. So, Lord, what do I do? How do I get where I need to get? Because God will not relinquish personal responsibility. In other words, you say, what do you mean by that? God will not make Heidi responsible for my spiritual development. She could assist it or hinder it, but she cannot stop it. Only I can stop it. You say, are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm pretty positive. It can be all the children of Israel 
against two. And you may have to wait for everybody else to die. But you're, if you're Joshua and Caleb, you'll get in. You know, I'm sure Joshua and Caleb sat by the campfire together. And they went, we're going in that place. I'm sure Joshua and Caleb walked through the Israelite camp and heard all of them griping and complaining and said, those aren't my faith buddies. Let's go back to the other fire. Let's go back to our fire. And they stuck with the Lord. If you stick with the Lord, he'll get you there. Amen? Amen. So no one can do this for us. The charge is committed to us. So that's what we see here. What else do we see here? Prophecies help us wage a good warfare. Watch this. They do not fight for us. They help us wage a good warfare. Notice Paul didn't say, now just grab the prophecy and let it do its work, Timothy. He didn't say that. He said, you wage a good warfare with it. Okay, now watch. How do they do that? Feeding on the word of God brings faith. Prophecies give context to the battle that we are in. Amen. Now, a good prophetic word that's full of the word, written word, it's going gonna, it's gonna to buoy up your faith. But prophetic words, you don't get faith by feeding on prophetic words. You get faith by feeding on the word, the written word. The written word is what gives us, it's, uh, well, let me read this. Get back, uh, go back over the prophecies and remember what was said. Then go to the scriptures, take up the whole armor of God, and fight the good fight of faith. I'll put it to you like that. You say, what do you mean? Okay, what did Paul say? He said, remember the prophetic word over your life. So Timothy, go back to the prophetic word that was given to you. Now go to the scriptures, Timothy, and remember what you've been told about the armor of God. In other words, put on the whole armor. In other words, take the promises, the graces, the things that have been given to you in the resurrection, and in the context of what you know prophetically, with that armor on, fight the good fight of faith. Let me give you an example. Okay, you're, you're going to kind of like it. When I was, uh, what year did I quit you, Terry? The, the, before I went into, the, which time? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't because it was a bad relationship, okay? So, <laughs> 2006? Okay, 2006, uh, that year, I don't remember when in that, that year, but I had a prophetic dream. And this doesn't happen to me a bunch. It's happened about five times. And I'm going to make a statement here, and I hope you understand it. I know there are people that disagree with me on this. I do not believe every dream means something. I believe that some dreams, in fact, a lot of your dreams, are just you just ate too much pizza. You did. You watched too many dumb TV shows, and, and you watched too many, you ate too much pizza. And if you don't know exactly what it means, then throw it out. Okay? So that's just me. You know, you just do what you do. Okay. So... I had a dream. Now, I know when the Lord speaks to me in a dream. I've had, you say, how do you know you're called to preach? The Lord would show me preaching in my dreams. Now, I'm talking about twice that happened. But not only would it happen, I could feel the mantle on me while I'm sleeping. How many of you have ever felt the presence of God really strong on you? Like, it, it, it just comes around you. 
It's almost like it flows through you. It gets in your pores. It's awesome. Imagine that while you're sleeping. And I was sleeping, and you know how you, you're asleep, but you're, it's like you're transitioning in between waking up and, you know what I mean? And, and so this particular time, I don't talk about these things a lot, so maybe tonight I get to talk about some of them. But uh, in this particular one, I had a full suit on, which I, don't, I didn't even have a suit at that time in my life. Um, and I saw myself on a stage preaching, and you know what I was preaching? The shortest scripture in the Bible. Who knows it? Jesus wept. I was, and I was preaching it, man. I wasn't like teaching it. I was, Jesus wept. And I was just going at it. And I'm running up and down this stage. And it was bigger than this one. And I'm preaching away. And I'm going, man. And I looked out over the crowd. And there was a, it was a, it was a, a kind of a, a half circle sanctuary. And it had a balcony up above on the top. And, there, and it was, there were people everywhere. And I looked out and everybody was weeping. Everybody's just weeping under the presence of God. And, and I went, and then I woke up, and I'm like, what in the world? You know, because I'm just saved. I mean, I'm young in the Lord, and I don't know nothing. This was before I went to work for Terry. And, uh, and then God set me on a course, and yeah, and here I am. So, <laughs> I've preached a lot of messages since then, but you know what I've never preached? Jesus wept. Never have. I've waited for the Lord to say it. He's never said it. So maybe that was just to let me know you're called to preach. Then there was another time. You'll like this one. The Lord just kept, you know how the Lord does? He just keeps after you. Like even when I was a heathen, heathen, he'd keep after me. You see a heathen, heathen. What does that mean? Well, I could tell you stories, but you know, because you've done it. So anyway, most of you have. So anyway, I, 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 would, uh, I heard Jesse Duplantis say one time, read a scripture before you go to bed. That way the devil don't put anything in your head and you, can, you, know, you won't be thinking about things you shouldn't. Well, I needed lots of scriptures in my head because I put lots of devils in my head prior to being saved, okay? So I read a scripture before I went to bed. I turned the light off and I had a bed. My bed was on the floor. Uh, it had a box ring and then the bed. You know, I had no bed frame, okay? And I put my uh, Bible on the nightstand next to me which wasn't a nightstand. It was just an old little table that my parents had that we had when we were kids, you know, the tiny ones. So I just made it into a nightstand. I put that, I turned the light off and I went to bed and about three in the morning, I'm dreaming about driving a car. And as I'm driving the car, I start driving into heaven. Like, like, you know, it's getting so bright. Have you ever had your eyes shut and the sun starts coming and you can feel it just, but this, this light is going through me. Like literally through me. And I'm like, what is going on? And it was a stick shift. Do you know what that is? It's a security system for anybody that's under 20 today. Okay, you won't be able to steal the car. <laughs> it had a clutch. Okay, anyway. So I sh I'm shifting and I look down to shift. And I shift it and I look up. And you know how the light just gets so bright you can't even. And I open my eyes. I mean, it was just, you know, I was radiating. And I'm like, what is going on? I could not figure it out. And I, and I, I go, God, what are you doing? You know, it, was this you? I wanted to know. And I leaned over to turn my light on my nightstand and my pillow 
my, my Bible was right on my pillow. So as soon as I rolled over, I hit my jaw on my, uh, um, on my Bible. And I opened it up, and I said, Lord, was this you? And, and I said, give me a scripture. He said, Proverbs 3.24, when I lie down, I'll not be afraid. When I lie down, my sleep will be sweet. So you say, what happened? Well, it was either the Lord or an angel came into my room and moved my Bible from my nightstand to my pillow. And then spoke to me. Now, that, that's not happened a lot in my life, you know, since then. But there were some real spectacular things that took place at different stages of my life that were prophetic that helped me move in the right direction. Most, 99.9% of my life, this. I stand on this word. I confess this word. I do this word. This is it. But I've had some wild, spectacular stuff, too. I wish it happened all the time, to be honest. It would be cool. You know, I wish we came in here every time, and, you know, everything was glowing. We were all glowing, and everything's glowing. I wish it was that way. But usually, it's the Lord loves faith. Now, I believe that we're going to hit stages of certain things. It's going to be awesome. But anyway, so the next thing, as far as the prophetic goes... And, and this is kind of getting over into some different things, but you'll see that these things overlap. The next thing was, I, when I quit Terry, and I hadn't quit him yet fully, I was still working for him. I had a prophetic dream about a minister in the church where we were headed to, or we were in. And in this dream, the Lord showed me that him and his wife were actually going to get a divorce. And I didn't like the dream, but I knew it was from the Lord. Because I, I, if I could show you the whole scenario of it, but I was in the church where they were, uh, they were pastoring. I was in the, a few rows behind them. Uh, and it was the middle of a worship service, and everybody's worshiping. And they were actually up front. This gentleman and his wife were up front, and they were kind of holding hands and worshiping and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, they, the Lord put, almost drew a line between them and said, and he said to me, divorce. I mean, like hard. And I went, whoo, Lord. And so I just kind of sat on it for a while because I didn't know what to do with it. You just pray. You know, you just keep it between you and the Lord. And then I ended up talking to somebody. And uh, this person talked to this person, da-da-da-da-da. Um, and I ended up being talking to the lead pastor of that church about this situation. And he asked me, he said, is, is this, are you telling me this prophetically? I said, look, this is just this is the dream I had. Do with it what you want. I'm walking away from this. You know what I mean? I'm not going to touch this. I'm leaving it. I don't want anything to do with it. You know what I mean? And I didn't, and I don't. So, long story short, we end up uh, being hired as youth pastors, and uh, we're working at this church, and we're there for six years because they hired us under contract for four to six years. And so we ended up serving for six years, and at the end of that time, we resigned. We actually ended up going to Zoe Bible Church for a while and traveling and stuff like that. And the Lord, then after a couple of years, the Lord started dealing with us about starting this church. So we were eight years out, and I think it was, what, at 10 years? Well, uh, when I heard they got divorced. I think it was about 10 years past that dream, they got divorced. 10 years. And, you know, during that time... That dream would come back to me or that thought, and I'd go, I must have missed it. You say, what does this have to do with anything? That prophetic dream, that prophecy in the dream gave me something to war with. Because when I got to the point where we were going to start this church, 
The Lord said to me, remember what I told you back there. And it happened 10 years later, which means I'm in the right spot. Because prophetic things ha can, have a future, can have a future element to them, right? And it wasn't just predicting the future. In other words, God had not predicted that he didn't design them to divorce, correct? But he knew it was going to happen. And so what does that give me? It doesn't give me the day-to-day -day tools of how to function in my faith fight, but it gives me a marker or context to where I'm at. And in that, then I can take these graces and truths, who I am in Christ, and continue to operate the way that I should. Does that make sense? So it gave me context. So I'll read it to you like this again. I'll read it again. You go back over the prophecies and you remember what was said. Then you go to the scriptures, take up the whole armor of God and fight the good fight of faith. Verse 19 says this, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have shipwrecked, have suffered shipwreck. Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan that they learn not to blaspheme. How many love that verse? How many love just dig that one out? Some people are like, yeah, how do we deliver people to Satan? I need to do this, you know, you know. <clears throat> That's not how you do it, just so you know. Okay, so we see here that prophecies are fulfilled by maintaining faith and a good conscience. Well, I have the prophetic word. The Lord said this over me. Mm, faith and a good conscience will bring it to pass. In other words, I could do this. I could, if somebody came against the prophetic word over my life, I can't, if the, my battle's not against flesh and blood. I mean, if you, if you want to, you know, if somebody comes against me, I've watched this happen to men. In fact, Heidi and I have talked about this a few times, but I've watched ministers do this. They actually get into fighting people that the enemy is working through in their lives, and they end up shipwrecking the call of God on their own life. Do you realize the scripture does say that if you're walking with the Lord, that no man can stand before you all the days of your life? You say, what does that mean? That means that if I trust God or if you trust God like you're supposed to, it doesn't matter. Like, let's just say you're in the business world and you have a competitor. And that competitor cuts you down, lies about you, talks bad about you to other contractors, to, uh, you know, does everything they can to ruin the favor of God on your life. As long as you stay within the prophetic word that God's given you and war with this weaponry in the midst of the context of that word, and you don't go to fighting that person, God will see you through. And a beautiful thing will happen. You say, what is that? You'll actually grow spiritually in the process. Now, if your motivation is, now watch this. I've, I've, I, the Lord's had to deal with me on this. If my motivation is I'm going to prove you wrong with my prophetic word from the Lord, shipwreck cometh, thus saith the Lord. Right here. He says it right here. <laughs> In other words, am I having faith and a good conscience if I'm competing with another pastor in town? I can't keep faith and a good conscience. It's impossible. Have you ever watched this happen? I've watched the Lord's dealt with me about this a couple of times. 
<clears throat> people will be delivered out of a particular lifestyle. And so they'll have strong zeal or they'll be delivered from, you know, let's just say this. Somebody was severely abused as a child. Maybe not. It doesn't have to be any particular way. We'll just say verbally and physically. And they become such, they become so zealous to, that that doesn't happen to somebody else that they actually end up trying to do good from the motivation of the hurt that they had growing up. Do you know that won't work? Because if you're really going to function in deliverance for somebody, it has to come from the resurrection. So I'll put it to you like this. God loves even the abuser. Now, I'm not saying they get a, that God justifies the abuser in the sense of says that's okay. But if my motivation is, I just, I, I know somebody, and they were abused how I was abused, and let's attack the abuser. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You can't do that. It doesn't work. There's no deliverance in it. Because what are you doing? You're actually taking up arms against somebody that God wants to redeem. The motivation has to come from, Lord, your compassion to deliver. So watch. If I want miracles, signs, and wonders so my church will grow. Come on. Think about it. You say, how? We have to delineate. the. Yeah, you have to. Well, I want to be rich so I, can write, so I can write big checks. You know, how well did it work for Ananias and Sapphira to look like they wrote big checks with a bad motivation? See, God cares more about the heart. The motivation has to be right. And it's the same way in prophecy. Our motivation has to be right. We don't want to be shipwrecked. These gentlemen got so far off that they actually ended up in blasphemy and in Satan's hands. They got so far off, they were so far off the grid, they ended up in blasphemy and Satan's hands. To where Paul said, I just turned them over. We are not going to get to the seven, are we? Stop listening so well. <laughs> the simple gift of prophecy or all the gifts of the Spirit and the office of the prophet is meant to be a supplement to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your own life. They are not to take the place of personal fellowship or personal maturity. The gifts of the Spirit or the office of the prophet are not meant to take the place of personal fellowship or personal maturity. Well, I don't want to have to deal with those things. So I'm just going to go get a prophetic word. God won't make, let it happen. God will give you as much as he can through the gift because he loves you. And then he'll stop. Oh, no, he would never do that. He just loves me. Yeah, but he loves you through his perfect love, not through your idea of what it is. I, I've had this happen in my life. I've done it. Well, Lord, I need an answer here. He's like, well, spend more time with me. Well, I don't like the way this is going. Well, spend more time with me. Well, Lord, I want to do these other things. Well, then suffer in the middle of what you're doing. 
Well, that's not God. It is absolutely God. You say, how can you say that? Because he's interested, he's not just interested in you just getting an answer. He's in, that would be like, <clears throat> that would be like my kids just coming to me for money all the time. But we never spent any, we never, we didn't even know each other. You know, God is the perpetual slot machine. Lord, give me a win. Give me a win. Come on, sevens. I don't know, is that a thing, sevens? Seems like I've seen that on, you know, because I've never gambled. All right, so, I'm very holy. (laughs) Easy now. (laughs) Prophecy helps give context to the future, to future events, so that we know ahead of time how we are to apply the promises. It gives context. So there's an element of future to it, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is that you know who you are in Christ and you know how to fight when you get there. Prophecy helps us to war properly with the promises of God. We wage good warfare with prophecies. We do not feed on prophecies. Listen to me. We wage good warfare with prophecies. We don't feed on them. Well, I just feed, I read prophecies all day, every day. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Then you're spiritually deficient. You have to feed on the word. Paul said, Peter said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Well, these men are speaking by the spirit of God, but they do not rank with the written word. And neither do their words. They do not. Amen? They don't. Prophecies give context to spiritual war so we know which weapons or promises or scriptures to apply and to stand on in the battle. How many have had a good prophecy over your life? And it helped you. But you cannot feed on that. I have so many, I have prophecies. Man, I wanted to get so much further. (laughs) I have such high hopes when I come in. I'm just like, Lord, if we could just, and then I get into it, and it's like, but that's okay. We're getting what we need. I'm not going to worry about it. I mean, I have the rest of my life, so I don't know how much time you have, but, you know, I'm only 45, so we got a ways to go. <laughs> you know? But when it, when it comes to prophetic words, they're wonderful, but you can't, you cannot they, they, they don't have the sustaining factor that this does. They don't. Not to mention the fact that you do realize that the Spirit of God is flowing. If you could think of it as through like a pipe, water coming through a pipe, think about who the Spirit of God is flowing through. Do you think, the, even if it's, if it's a simple prophetic word through you, or if it's through the office of a prophet, do you think all the person's thinking is correct? And that they're seeing it just perfectly? What do we know? We prophesy in part. And people say, no, I, I want the full prophetic. Why? You need no faith. You wouldn't even need a relationship. Eventually, we're going to get to this, Maybe. <laughs> Where Paul talks about, or uh, I'm going to read out of this book. This is called The Gift of Prophecy by Brother Hagin. It's one of his books. 
But he talks about how at different times in the church, and nothing is new under the sun. How many have noticed that? He talked about at different times in the church uh, in his day where people were getting together and they were having supposed prayer meetings and all the meetings were as one prophetic word over another over the people in the group. They just walked around and laid hands on each, whoops, and laid hands on each other and just gave prophetic words to each other. Over and over and over. And this lady came up to him and said, it just doesn't seem right. He said, well, what do you mean? She said, every prophetic word I get is negative. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. She sa- he goes, well, what do you mean? He said, uh, uh, she said, uh, one of the words was my mom was going to die. And he said, well, did she die? He, she said, no, she's not even sick. And it was a long time ago. Well, I mean, I could give somebody a prophetic word, you're going to die. Well, duh. I mean, you know what I mean? And I know we haven't experienced much of this here. But we'll get into it more and more. One of the prophetic words over this lady was her husband was going to leave her. And her husband wasn't even saved. But she said, he's a good man. And they were still married. He never left. You know, it's like the small group. I heard about this prophetic, this group that was meeting. And uh, they were meeting together and they were saying things, you know, they were uh, talking about or giving prophetic words. And one of the people that was supposed to be there at the meeting but wasn't showing up on time, one person got up and said, Thus saith the Lord, so-and-so is not showing up tonight. And then they heard a car pull, pull up on the gravel. And the person quickly stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord, they changed their mind, they'll be in any minute. <laughs> That's not prophecy. It's a good try, though. Then there's the prophetic word, and this is actually written in some of these things. And it's comical, but you understand, you need to hear it just so you can kind of give context to it. One person got up at a church and said, thus saith the Lord, do not fear. And then they said, but if you do fear, it's okay, saith the Lord, because sometimes I get afeared myself. The Lord does not get afraid ever. Okay? Okay? So that's not helping or blessing anybody. It was a good attempt, all right? But that's not from, you can tell, there's no, you can judge it quick. You go, that ain't the Lord. You know, like one group. (laughs) It's amazing what you hear in Bible college sometimes. It's also amazing how the Lord brings it up, and I haven't thought about it for years. But they were talking about the gifts of the Spirit at Rainbow, and somebody was in the class, and they were given an illustration. And there was a meeting of pastors that had come together, and it was all different denominations. And and one of the gentlemen was a Spirit-filled pastor, and he got up and he said, "Uh, I... Uh, thus saith the Lord, is there a Tim here? I have the name Tim. Tim, are you here? And no, pastor, nobody's responding. And he, 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 this guy kept going on. Thus saith, Tim, are you here? I have a word for you from the Lord. Tim, are you in this place? Finally, a denominational man stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord, Tim is not here. Yeah, Tim has left the bed. Tim ain't here. (laughs) There has actually been prophetic fights in churches. One person on one side gets up, thus saith the Lord, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Other person over here stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, I didn't say that. 
Now, thankfully, we're not at that <laughs> dealing with that. But you understand the gift of prophecy? The gifts are there to be, this stuff is to be reverenced. It's not a trinket. It's serious. So then what? It takes a serious believer who's seeking God to function at a high level in these things with the proper motivation. With the proper motivation. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.